Hello and welcome to episode 192 of the Filmmakers Podcast. Almost at 200. Almost. I did that the other day. You didn't listen, did you? No, I didn't. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up in our very, very own Filmmakers Podcast. No humble opinion. <laughs> I am joined by wonderful filmmaker. It is Dom Lemoir. Hello, buddy. Hello. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, what we've been doing in this downtime? Well, you know, writing and... Developing. Developing, yeah, yeah. 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 And that going well. Reading books as well. You're reading books F- now? Film books, yeah. Well, congratulations. Yeah, some great got, ones. Yeah, <laughs> got, got one from Ron Howard, making a, a good script great. That's very good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, recommended you, from his masterclass. Yes, okay. Yeah. Have you read uh, John Badham's On Directing yet? It's really good. Okay. It goes in detail about how to work with actors. But John was on a podcast very recently mm. that talks all about how directors should work with actors. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's on episode 100 and... Something. Something. So, yeah, just put in John Badham into the uh, your podcast browser of choice. So, listen, today we are talking to uh, a amazing producer, Aaron Scotty, who was on the Make Your Film event recently. And he got in touch with myself and Dom and said, uh, I have this brilliant pitch guru, if you like, mm. um, called John Liverson and he said get him on to talk about how you guys should pitch movies because it's, it's not really something that we've we've sort of got into tremendous detail about we, we we tell people to get their pitch decks ready we tell them develop their scripts work out how to you know send emails to try and get those meetings but we don't really ever go into the actual process of what makes a good pitch uh, and there's a lot of very interesting information and do's and don'ts especially uh, that, are, that are very useful in terms of not only pitching your work but pitching yourself which is the real pitch it is so true uh, they also talk about the type of investors as well that are mm. out there which is really interesting uh, and just some massive mistakes that people have made and the best ways that you can really practice your elevator pitch and get it in the right way so you're really going to enjoy this week's Filmmakers Podcast I promise you it's going to be a really really good one for those who are about to go pitch their projects or have already and need the experience to learn be better exactly be better Dom be Dom be better I am better better than you I'm a patron you are a patron yeah speaking of which do come and join us we have some amazing stuff that isn't on our normal regular podcast we've got the full Mark Strong episode and we've got all his nudes you can't no it's it's a it's an audio thing Dom there's no nudes uh, it's a shame because that might get more patrons um, they think it would. wouldn't if they were yours um <laughs> So, um, so if you want to get do, go on the patron, uh, then do that because there's some great stuff for you. It's only two quid. What's two pounds? No, it's almost a coffee, maybe an espresso somewhere. Not very good. <laughs> So what, what more endorsement do you want than that? Speaking of merch as well, that Dom did there, you can come get our merch at the podcast. If you are at AFM this week or at the AFM market, we are there this evening. With Dan Mazer, the writer of Borat and the writer-director of the new Home Alone movie. So, if you're at AFM, come join us. Uh, link to that is just go to AFM.com. This is the podcast with Aaron Scotty and with John Liversay. You will learn so much. Enjoy. How are you guys? Good to see you. Good to see you again. Thank you so much for doing the Make Your Film event. It was so popular when you did that. It was Mm. really good. We really appreciate that. Oh, good, man. Good, yeah. And now we appreciate the the fact you're doing the podcast for us as well. And you brought on John Liversay, which is incredible because he is, well, John can describe himself, but from what you said and what we've learned about John is that he's a fantastic uh, helper in getting people to pitch their projects and and how he can uh, develop people's uh, pitching skills. And we're going to be talking about that quite in detail how are you john you okay things are great here thanks for having me on your wonderful show very good to have you and this is dom lemoire as well hello 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 dom nice to see you all very nice to see you whereabouts are you john whereabouts are you in the world i'm in austin texas where it's keep it weird is the whole theme of the city and (laughs) (laughs) that's what we like yeah Yeah. i'm so i'm i might be coming down there very soon we're supposed to be uh prepping a movie um we might be coming down to austin that way so i'm looking forward to it apparently there's some beautiful beautiful uh vistas and some lovely places to shoot 
Would you oh recommend? Yes, there's a 300-acre park here called Zilker and a natural springs, and it's very scenic. It's very much nature, so you'll have no shortage of things to shoot. Stunning. Yeah, stunning. And, and stunning. lots of lots of heat, I imagine. At this time of year, yes. Yeah. Like a dog on heat, or yeah. like heat from the sky. Hopefully the sky heat. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> good, good, good. Let's just get that clarified. That's good. So look, this is the Filmmakers Podcast. We talk about uh, how to make films, how to get them made, and we wanted to talk to you john when aaron suggested it obviously about pitching because it's something we haven't talked that much about on the show we talk about uh you know how to raise money and you know how to actually deliver your film but we don't often talk about the role of pitching so what is i suppose where do we start where do you go what how do you even begin on this journey of best way to pitch a movie well i think the first step is to have a really sh great elevator pitch, even though we may not physically be in elevators, but it is a metaphor <laughs> for, you know, in 90 seconds, can you sum up what your movie's about in such a way that it intrigues people enough to say, Ooh, I'm interested. Tell me more, whether they want to be an investor or help in whatever way it is. And certainly you need that um, when you're pitching agents to get the right talent, as Aaron can speak to. Um, mm -hmm. You need to be able to really concisely describe who you are and what your movie's about if you want to get top talent in. So that's the first starting point, I think, that mm -hmm. uh, most people think, oh, they feel like you have to cover all three acts in the movie. <laughs> and it's, it, it, nobody has time for that. So you need to learn the first step is how to have a really great elevator pitch. And we can talk about some tips on that, but I just wanted to um, have Aaron weigh in on the importance of an elevator pitch when you're trying to get funding and casting. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you tell the whole movie, there's no reason to buy it, right? Um, so and, yeah. and yeah, we live in a world where people tell themselves the story that they don't have enough time. So you got to grab them. You have to grab them quick, you know? And um, the other thing is, you know, if you can engage from a, a place of, of your own passion, like tell this, tell the story that you love. I, I think there's a, you know, and John, I'm sure we'll get into this, you know, because sales is sales, whether you're pitching a movie or a product. And if you're product dumping, it, people feel it. But if you're telling a story from your heart, people feel that too. And mm -hmm. I think it's more rare. It's coming, coming back around. Thanks to people like John um, showing this beautiful way of storytelling. Um, but right now, like, I think that your people have a, a an opportunity to, to change the, change the way that things are done. And, and I know for me, if, you know, sometimes you just get lost. People are telling us, telling, oh, pitch, 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 push, push, push. And you're just like, okay, I'm ready for this to be over. Mm -hmm. But when they just tell you something and leave it there with no expectation, you're like, I want to know more. And that's mm -hmm. what John does with the elevator pitch. And I watch him transform. You know, we're in a men's CEO group and these guys run massive companies and they still go to John. And I watch in within like, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes, John, you shift their whole pitch into a tight little package to where people want to know more. And I watch even after those calls with the people that are watching, they're wanting to know more about that business in real time because it's not a product. I mean, I mean, do you, do you think, do you think in a lot of cases uh, as, as filmmakers or, or people, when, when you're sort of desperate to, to get your point across that you, you over pitch um, yes, and you, exactly. you try to tell them everything and you already have them hooked and then you keep talking and you unsell yourself. <laughs> you can talk yourself um, right out of it. Yeah. Yes. In fact, you know, in the storytelling skills, there's open loops and great, you know, screenwriters use that all the time. Or we see that on television shows where you create an open loop to get people to watch, you know, the next, episode or sometimes in a film it's then you know oh i wonder i hope there's a sequel it looks like there's a sequel based on the way this ended so that's an open loop and you want to have those open loop cliffhangers in your elevator pitch so people go wow well what would that look like is it and anything that intrigues them to want to know more so that it's a conversation and not a 10 minute monologue um, yeah. and i you know i i worked at an ad agency creating commercials for movies when they were coming out uh back in the day on dvd um, and so I think my first big tip for all filmmakers would be reverse engineer your concept because someone's going to have to take what your whole movie is and create a trailer for it, whether mm -hmm. it's Netflix or HBO or anybody or studios. So if you think in terms of, huh, what would I want the audience to think, feel, and do if they saw the trailer for my movie that would then make it irresistible to make them want to go watch it. And if you have that in your head already before the movie's even shot one frame, 
it will really help you craft what kind of story you're telling. And the irony was, you know, when I, I would look at commercials that have been done theatrically that maybe didn't do as well as they wanted at the box office, we could sometimes say, hmm, what if we reposition this and pull different scenes and make it seem more of a comedy instead of such a drama? Um, we might get people intrigued. So how, what parts of a story you pick and choose from really influences whether people resonate with it or not. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, what you said earlier there, Aaron, about when you're passionate about something, when you've mm. got, when you start pitching a project and you're totally in it, you love it, you're absolutely massively passionate, then suddenly everyone goes, oh, wow, that sounds really interesting. You start telling it in the right way rather than going, well, I've got this project, it's about, you know, an action story, and everyone goes, yeah, whatever, bored. And, and, and then it, be- it, becomes a, it becomes a case of memorizing, like, everything that happens in the story and trying to not forget right. something. And then you could hear the, you could hear the script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, and you, I, I suppose, I suppose it just, it, it, to someone who's out an outsider, you're, you're just cramming them full of information and they mm-hmm. get overloaded and they don't really get to the, you know, maybe it's better to have a, a core of what the story is about that, that makes them feel something. Totally. And then I love what you said there, John, about you make th- thinking about the trailer, mm. you know, what, actually is in your pitch reverse engineer it i love that tell us more about that and how we could go about doing so well i think the first thing you want to start with is um what's going to grab people you obviously think about that when you open your movie and you would think about that in terms of if you you put your empathy hat on and pretend you're an editor creating a trailer yeah and Mm. you're like all right so now i have to figure out what's what's this movie about and I have the three checkoff questions that I use with everyone I work with, which is, what do I want the audience to feel? Mm-hmm. What do I want them to think? And what do I want them to do after seeing my movie and or trailer or hearing my pitch? And so depending on where you are in that process, it's very different. If they hear the pitch, I want them to be intrigued enough to want to know more, but I want them to feel something. Um, and I want them to think, wow, this is really fresh or this would really... Resonate Because I think there's two unspoken questions when you're pitching, again, to get funding or to get talent. I think it's so important because, you know, I once heard some uh, producers say, you know, the difference between a TV movie and a movie in the theaters is casting. So I think as a filmmaker, part of your job is to, you know, envision who you want in that role and why they would want it and how it fits into their career. Is it giving them something they've never had the chance to do before, for example? That's why a lot of actors take on new roles. And and certainly Aaron can speak to how he got some top talent in Peanut Butter Falcon. But um, I think going back to Aaron's point again is this passion. So the story of your story of origin, not necessarily the character you've written about, is so important. In other words, what makes you so passionate about this particular movie? If you're writing a film about, you know, uh, problems with sexual abuse or whatever it is, did you have that as an issue? Or if you're writing a movie to, you know, inspire people or, you know, there's got to be s- the best movies usually have some really core why behind with the filmmaker's vision and the screenwriter's vision. Well, Peanut Butter Falcon's a perfect mm. example of that. Aaron, do you want to tell us, uh, just bring that into what John just <laughs> said there about Peanut Butter Falcon? Yeah, I mean, well, the thing that kept popping in my mind is um, how are we serving the world? I mean, that for me, that's what I was always looking towards. Listen, I can't speak for everyone in the world, but I feel like it's a human trait to want to serve the world in a certain way. I think everybody has that in them. So that was something with Peanut Butter Falcon. I mean... I drove across the country 15 years ago to tell stories that matter and make a difference through a Hollywood vehicle. And it took me 15 years to do that. Um, but when, when, when we did, you just feel the alignment because a lot of people, and this is why I was saying about the pitch and, and having passion and, and telling the story with no expectations because we're all running around trying to make a living. And there's a difference between artistry Like we all come out here for the artistry. We want to tell stories that's Mm -hmm. in our heart, but then you get mixed up in the industry, which a lot of people allow to drag them down, Mm. you know, because you get caught up in the industry and I need to sell this. I need to sell it. And you forget why you told the story in the first place. So I think telling the story for the joy of telling the story is your pitch. Mm. You, you, You know what I mean? And that's what that creates an attractive vibration that people want to chase you out of the room. This goes for actors in auditions as well. If you go into the audition and you're dying for the part probably not going to get it if, if you need that part to pay rent because there, there's an energy that people feel. 
you know, but if you go in there, cause you just, you're like, Oh, I wonder what, how I'm going to build this cake right in front of them. And then you do it and it's like, Whoa, I didn't even think I was going to use the frosting that way. Yeah. But if you, if you go to the store and bring, you know, the store bought cake and you hand it to them, they're going to put it in the pile with the rest of the store bought prepared yeah. cake. And I, and I think that's a good point because I think a lot of the industry tries to just naturally sort of say, well, your film needs to fit into this box. That's yeah. what works. And it's not necessarily the box that works, like the box works to a degree with like genre. But for every example of that box, there's there's a hundred examples of films that are completely different to what a sales agent Peanut Butter Falcon. Exactly. They could they didn't know how to distribute this movie because they mm. had no comps. Yeah. So yeah. nobody wanted to take a risk. So mm. our financiers doubled down. They said, We believe in this movie, we'll we'll uh, distribute it ourselves. Mm. And we put up wow. P and A and um, worked with Roadside to distribute. And it's because the studios were like, we don't, we can offer you this because it's too risky. We don't know how to comp. That's a good thing. So go and write the movie and pitch the movie you want to see on that screen. And if the person in the room can't see your vision, then don't force it. Go on to the next person because they're just going to water down your movie anyway. If you, if you make the sale, walk around with that attitude, man, your movie lands in the right place. But John will give you the practical tips and, and tools to, to find a balance between what I'm talking about and the practical sale. Yeah, they, just like in the screenplay, there are certain formats to follow. And if you don't have your script in that format, no one's going to look at it. Same thing is true when you listen to someone tell an elevator pitch or tell a full-on presentation uh, about your movie to get the right cast or get it funded. Now, what's interesting is if we look at some movies that have been remade and everyone's familiar with the story, then you have a whole new pitch that you need to come up with. Like, do we really need a third version of A Star is Born? <laughs> <laughs> well, if we have Lady Gaga and Bradley, we do. But then how does, you know, he convince someone to let him direct for the first time? So Absolutely. you're constantly uh, having to tell a story of why, you know, and Bradley had this amazing passion for this project, that that's what people bought into, including Lady Gaga. Right. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know, so he had to convince her to be in his movie and trust him. And then she, the vice for the, what I love about that particular story is he then had to trust her to teach him how to sing. Mm -hmm. And so they were each sharing each other's expertise and out of both of their comfort zones. And that's where the chemistry came from. But then again, they had to convince studios to give them the budget to make all that happen. So even if you look at something like that, it's a new way of thinking about, Oh, I never thought that they had to pitch to get that movie made. And, and uh, so that's another example of the importance of having a story of origin that drives the whole project forward. But if you think about their circumstances too, I mean, I imagine that Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga aren't pitching this to pay their rent, right? No. So, no, so no. they're coming from a place of passion, not desperation. Yeah. And, you know, as he's pitching to Gaga, he's tapping into her creativity and her artistry mm. and vice versa. And it's an energy flow, you know, but there's no desperation involved. And, and I think I think that's like that's an incredibly um, important point about the sort of the desperation, and the fear, because I think when you, you know, when you walk into a room and, you know, say you've got a couple of investors lined up on a, on a panel, they're all, <laughs> they're all wearing suits. It, it, it can be quite an intimidating um, environment. And, and something that when I was sort of watching acting classes, I remember I remember hearing is that, you know, your passion has got to override your fear. So. If your if your passion level is is like a five and your fears are seven, then you're gonna your, your fears are gonna take over. But if you're actually pushing so, something that you care about so much, it's gonna go past any of your sort of anxieties. Um, and that's where it comes down to telling you know what a story that really means something to you. Well, I teach people how to be more confident mm. and not mm -hmm. get intimidated. Uh, and one of the techniques I use is stacking your moments of certainty. So I have my students write down two or three times when they knew they nailed it. Aaron asked his wife to marry him. She said, yes, whatever it is, you know, you, you know, you got your first investor. You remember other successful projects when you, before you go into a situation that could be intimidating. I know mm -hmm. when Larry King interviewed me, uh, that was a little intimidating. Of and course. so I thought to myself, I remember this great Arthur Ashe, the famous tennis pros quote, and he said, the key to success is confidence. Key to confidence is preparation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I thought, all right, I'm going to prepare as much as I can. And this is what filmmakers can do when they're talking 
to potential investors. Know as much about those people as you can. Do your homework. What are the movies have they made? Be able to have something ready to go. And so I looked up um, part of Larry King's biography on how he got his big break interviewing Frank Sinatra. So, and I also read that Larry King hates small talk. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't do any. So I'm in the, I, I had breakfast with him and then I'm in the car with his driver and I'm sitting up in the front with the driver and he and his co-host are in the back. And uh, they're listening to the ball game because they're both, you know, avid Dodger fans. And the co-host very innocently trying to pull me into the conversation and say, hey, John, are you into sports? And I'm like, uh, I have that moment where you fake it. Or I go, not really. I come from an advertising background. We watch the Super Bowl for the commercials, not the, sh- not the game. And so then you cut to Larry King's interviewing me on air. And he goes, um, John, how important is it uh, to be authentic when you tell a, a story? I go, it's so important, Larry. It's everything. In fact, if you're not into sports and someone asks you are you into sports, don't fake it. <laughs> and so I got rapport with him. And, and then he yeah. asked me, he was like, well, what makes a good story? And I said, well, would you mind sharing that story of how you got your big break meeting Frank Sinatra? And he goes, oh, yeah, that was a great night. And suddenly he's telling mm-hmm. that story and then I'm breaking down the elements for everyone watching so that they can say, oh, there's an exposition, there's a problem, there's a solution. And why is that such a good story with the resolution? And then, so that's how I overcame the intimidation. So when I have people write down those moments of certainty and do your research on who you might be intimidated by and how can I build rapport with them fast by complimenting them and sincerely and having something specific that you've liked about it. So it's not enough just to say, I like your work. Mm-hmm. You need to get really, I love that movie. And my favorite scene in that movie was this. And to be, and to just be human with people as well. I think, I think that's, a, that's another thing rather than just sort of treating them as like, you know, your cash cow or your, your, your golden ticket, like mm. actually like maybe look beyond just what your goal is to get out of them as well. Yeah. Um, totally, totally, and just yeah. actually try and, you know, think would, would this person be someone I want to hang out with or, you know? Mm. Well, I, I can tell you what I think the biggest myth is when you're pitching anything. And perhaps you've all heard this. Oh, you got to get people to know, like, and trust you, right? That's a phrase mm-hmm. we've heard. Sure. Mm-hmm. The problem with that, guys, is if you think, oh, well, the first part is I get, you got to get to know me. So therefore, mm-hmm. let me vomit out a bunch of information about me and my project mm-hmm. and my movie. And it's push, push, push. Mm. So I say you got to flip it, as, as Dom was saying, into people. We got to build trust first, not like ability and knowledge. Yeah. So you start with, you start with trust and then you mm-hmm. go to the, which is a gut thing. And then you move from the gut to the heart, which is a likability thing. And the more empathy you show for people, the more they like you. And then it gets to the head, but even then it's still not information. It's literally, and, mm-hmm. and certainly Aaron can speak to this. Will this work for me? If you're telling a story about the movie and they got to work with you for a while, you know, and they, they got to like you and trust you. And then they got to think, well, will this work for me in my career? Imagine what Bradley had to say to Lady Gaga. You've never started a movie before. You've got to trust me as a director for the <laughs> that I am going to make you not look like a fool. You don't need the money, but you don't want to ruin your legacy in your career. Yeah. Yeah. So the stakes are high either way. And that's mm. what makes a good story all the time. I love that. I think that's great, John. I think it's so important that when you're going into a meeting, when you're pitching a project, it's not all about you. Yeah. Obviously, you've prepped and you've got everything ready, but what a great way to start the meeting is to talk about them, get them talking, Mm. because there's nothing better than you can ease into it. You don't feel pressure, but also they've gone, ah, this guy or girl has actually thought about, Mm. you know, me and the project, Mm. and they care enough to actually ask a deep enough question about a project I did 10 years ago that I love. Mm. Wow, what a way in you know and that suddenly now they go oh do you know what i might give this person some money you're already winning yeah you You also eliminate the potential for that small talk because i think small talk is just a way out of a conversation small talk is on the same way i agree larry king i guess that's a kindred spirit for me (laughs) because i I think i said this to you guys on the last podcast when you were asking me about all this technical how do you raise money and blah blah blah. i'm like i want to talk about the heart of the story and how we need to shift hollywood because i don't want to do small talk (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and it ended up being a more pleasant conversation. It's more depth. And Mm -hmm. I think we need, if it's lacking in the world, we need to bring that depth back to the conversations. Mm -hmm. And if you can go do that in a pitch, you're going to blow somebody away because they're so bored. They're going to be like, wait, oh, did 
Did he not just talk about the weather in Arizona? This is crazy. Let me get into this more. Yeah, yeah and and I, and I think I think on the same the same level of that you, you don't need to always rush into. I mean, this this is my sort of I guess my my approach, but not not actually rushing into the pitch itself. Like, I understand sometimes you have like a five minute window. <laughs> yeah. and you, you've got to, you've got to, you've got that five minutes. Literally you can't, an elevator. You can't talk about your, <laughs> but it's like we all know why we're here, right? I don't have to yeah, yeah. shove it down yeah. your throat. Here's two big mistakes that people make. Um, that's a version of small talk. They get up and they go, thanks for this opportunity. I'm excited to be here. It's so boring. It's so cliche. And guess what? Nobody cares that you're excited. It's not about you. <laughs> but it's also like when somebody tells a joke and instead of laughing, you say, that's funny. If it yeah. was funny, you would laugh. If you're excited, <laughs> you can feel your excitement. You don't have to say those words. Now we know it's nonsense. <laughs> it's a painful thing to hear. <laughs> you're better off to say, I'm really not excited. I don't want to be here, but I've got to yeah. pitch this damn movie. Well, that's a closer step to honesty. Totally. Yeah. It's true. And here's the other mistake they make. At the end, they go, well, that's all I got. Any questions? Oh, now I have to work? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> shit, I've got to ask yeah. questions now. I was supposed to be concentrated on your shit. Yeah. That's when you get the thanks for coming in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is great. A good closing is, you know, I've described to you our passion, our vision. If this sounds like the kind of journey you'd like to go on with us and get this movie made and into the world, we'd love to have further conversations. It's, you're inviting them to continue the conversation. The whole goal of a pitch is to get the second date. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's foreplay, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I see. <laughs> Um, this, I had a question. I forgot it then because I've got a full <laughs> kind of pitch with you. <laughs> Aaron's the only one good looking enough to get women to ask him to marry him on the coffee date. Most of us have to work it up. Yeah, it's true. Well, no, she was bartending. It was more of a beer date. But Dom, it's like you said, I mean, the, you have to feel if you want to spend time with this person. I mean, you build a family on set. You mm-hmm. hear a pitch, you, you meet the person that's going to be the storyteller. Do you mm-hmm. really want, like, what's their approach like? What's their ego like? What am I going to deal with on set yeah. especially for the guy with the money yeah who's gonna have to give over some control to the creative side you want them to feel like their money's in good hands hey, and also that you're not gonna necessarily be someone that's really difficult to sort of give thoughts to or ideas because I, I think a lot of people forget that they, they think oh is it is it about how good my story is and like that's that's obviously a big yeah. part of it but mm-hmm. it's also whether you're someone that's workable right when you're asking for money and money is energy if they're going to give their energy you're adding more energy to the story and it becomes a collaborative effort and you have to be able to find a balance yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's give the, everybody um, a description of the types of investors that are out there, the types of buyers. And mm-hmm. I, I've broken them into three B's. There's the believer, there's the builder, and there's the bean counter. So the believer is someone, when you're describing your vision, your, your experience, um, they're like, oh man, I believe this would be a hit movie. I believe this could make a difference in the world. Uh, and to Aaron's point, you know, tell a story of another movie you've worked on or what your vision is for the set and how um, they could believe that this would be a cohesive thing that would come on time and under budget and all that good stuff. Then there's the builder. And this kind of investor is like, yeah, but would you be willing to change the location? Or could my, can I make, can I be involved in some of this? Can I help mm-hmm. in casting if I give you, you know, they want to, it's, they want to, see if they have any input if it kind of just not have my name as producer for giving you money but can i actually produce mm-hmm. and uh and then there's the bean counter and most people go oh i don't like the bean counter um <laughs> you know the good thing about a bean counter personality is if you speak their language you can get rapport with them and say look we're gonna have to get these three things to happen in order for this to break even the fact that you've even thought about breaking even will make a bean counter happy. Mm. It's so true. Yeah, I love that, John. That's so cool. I love the three Bs. That's and, really and, nice. And those those kind of people as well. Like, I mean, is this correct that I think a lot of people go in with less money than they need and the finance person can tell that and it actually puts them off because they think, well, they're just going to come and ask back for more money. They haven't thought it through like what the actual yeah. you know, returns are going to be. It also feels irresponsible up front. It's like, if this person can't see through this, what are they going to do with the rest of it? I, I got, I'm out. You know, like, what are you, the next Francis Ford Coppola that's going to keep just... Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, you sell your house. Just filming and filming and filming and never <laughs> never end the movie. You got to yeah. land the plane, right? We're going to have it... We're going to do the sequel to Heaven's Gate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. It's a bit like casting in a way. It's, you kind of, you want them to be amazing when they come in the room. You want to be blown away and go, yeah, that's the person I want. But 
essentially the director's ticking boxes to go, ah, they didn't, ah, that doesn't fit with what I need and that. And it's the same with pitching, right? Mm. It's the same with an investor watching a pitch. It's like, okay, well, I like them, but I didn't like the story or I didn't like this or, yeah, I think it it comes to that, right? I mean, it's a very similar Mm. technique of thinking about it. Remember, if if that investor's in the room, that means there is money that they want to spend. Mm. So if you can identify which one of John's three Bs that person is and play to that, if it's you know the believer obviously is probably an easier pitch let's go with the builder though because Mm. that that can be muddy water but if you go in and you identify that person as the builder because they give you that piece of information like yeah you know i have an idea for casting instead of being resistant because you want to make the movie you go in and go oh thank god we were really looking for a qualified investor who would have a little bit of input you know i do like to run you know i do like to be the captain of my ship but i really love the support and i'm open to creative ideas and sometimes you might see something that i don't so i welcome that and that's communicating openness and strength exactly here's another alliteration for everybody collaborative conversations get cash (laughs) sexy that's what aaron was giving you an example of a collaborative open environment and and, you know most people are like oh i've got this diva he's not going to change one thing he thinks his script is perfect no script is perfect you know it's always a work in progress all that stuff so um if you have can separate yourselves from this, all the other people pitching. And you're like, Oh no, I'm all about collaborative conversations. It's like a breath of fresh air for someone who's got smog all day long. I just like to jump back a tiny bit. Cause this is so good. This is really interesting about the actual pitching itself. Mm. It's the best way to over practice. I know we talked earlier about throwing it away and sort of mm. feeling the passion, but surely you can only get that passion as well if you 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 know about your project inside and out and you know your number is it a mixture of the two or is it like the michael kane method where you learn all your lines inside out backwards to front you could do it standing on the moon in the shower wherever you are when you're having sex whatever it is but then when you come to set you can throw it away and do it in your own way is it do you feel it's a similar way and the best way to do that, uh, John, is to, to have that method? Well, I think one of the biggest fears most people have is I'm going to sound robotic or I'm going to no longer be myself. Mm. And so I think uh, if you have a phrase, and my phrase that I work with people on just a basic elevator pitch is the biggest mistake people make on an elevator pitch is I'm a filmmaker. My movie's about this. And it's about blah, 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 blah. Instead, say, you know how there's certain movies that just stand the test of time and with with the right casting, people want to go see again? Well, that's what I feel about A Star is Born. It's just rocky or whatever it is, right? So you start the conversation out literally with you know how. And when you have, then people, it's like you're having a drink with somebody at a pub, as you would say in the UK, right? Um, It's very conversational, so you, when you keep things conversational, as opposed to now I'm presenting, now I'm pitching and I become a robot or stiff, um, the more relaxed you are, the better it is. Now, as far as the, uh, the amount to practice, you have to practice your opening, practice your closing, and then figure out what are the three key things I want them to remember. Peter Butter Falcon is about changing the world and, and letting go of prejudices and taking people on an adventure, you know, all those things. So there'd be like three key things that we're going to make people see people who have a handicap in another way and and then start looking at even if you don't quote have a handicap maybe you are handicapped in your own limiting beliefs about something that happened in your past or whatever it would be that i you would do to give the elevator pitch uh for peanut butter falcon you just go and then from there you're in your mind going i've got my opening got my closing. And as long as I hit these three points, I know where I am in the process. So you don't ever have that deer in the headlights, which is where people go, Oh my God. And you literally become scared speechless. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And what's happening is your brain gets hijacked because we are trained as animals to be in a tribe. And if you're get separated from the tribe, that's when you get picked off by a predator. So when you're in front of people, and your, your brain is going, I'm up here by myself, whether it's on stage or in a room, and the whole yeah. rest of the tribe is out there. I feel vulnerable. Fight or flight time. And once you go into fight or flight, you're in big trouble because it's really hard <laughs> yeah. to manage when you're not grounded. Yeah. And John just gave me a, a good thought. Um, 
you know, it, based on what your question, it, it really depends on the individual and everybody listening knows where their sweet spot is or can identify if they look, look closely. Like some people want to read it over and over and practice, 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 but you have to know your gauge of where you go and overdo it. And then you sound robotic or you have enough to, if you can let it go, then study all you want. As long as you know, your and you could go into John's, you know, John, you were saying in the course with the, uh, the stacking certainty, go back in your life and remember a time where you hit that sweet spot. How much preparation did you do before that? How did it go after? So you can use your life experience to go back and understand your instrument and the peak of potential, right? So you go and you say, oh man, that pitch, I nailed it. Go back in your mind and dissect that pitch a little. You know what? I didn't, I thought I was late, but then I wasn't. And I was like, you know, I just have to wing it. I know the story in my heart. I'm just going to listen first. Because if you go in with the intention of listening first, you don't have to try to remember what you were going to say. Because if you organically move through the the conversation, you don't have to be like, oh, I forgot to tell them this thing. It doesn't matter. Mm. They like what you're talking about. The conversation is fluid. You don't have to go back to that thing you forgot to memorize. I think that's when people get bored of pitches is, is when you're trying to memorize it. Uh, when you you as the pitcher are trying to memorize all the details and, and then it, it just becomes a, a case of like trying to remember everything rather than, you know, enjoying actually telling them about your story. And, you know, people buy emotionally and then back it up with logic, whether it's a sports car, investing in a startup or funding a movie or whether an actor is deciding whether this script is right for them. Mm-hmm. It, it's not like, well, I've done two action movies, so I should now change it up into a drama. Uh, right? It, it, that's not how people make decisions. Um, when you go buy a sports car, they don't go, oh, Aaron, you're going to love the gas mileage on this Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to say, you're going to feel sexy and it's going to be fun to drive in. And, and imagine, right? Yeah. So the same thing should be true when you're you know, pitching. Don't push out a bunch of information. And Aaron and I have actually worked together uh, on this concept in his own life and storytelling you think well Aaron, you know maybe you think uh, i'm a pretty good storyteller i don't need any help on it but are you a black belt in it and as good as aaron is at it he still believed in working with me enough to get some fine tuning and I'll, i'll let him tell you um what that story was like and i'll continue i mean the day you stop learning is it's called death right i mean we we come here to experience life and experience the world and and get and and grow um i john and i like i said we're in a, a men's um ceo entrepreneur group and i've been i was having this drive to tell my personal story like i you know we all come to hollywood we want to tell other people's stories we want to well, some, you know, writers write their own. I never wrote a movie myself. Um, I was an actor, then a producer. So I was part of the collaborative effort. But I had this drive, you know, to tell my own personal story before my son was born. And there was an opportunity to get up in front of the group of 100 men sitting in the movie theater and just tell a 10 minute story about your aha moment in life. And I don't know why on this day, John and I were put together by the universe. We were, we had to switch seats and sit next to someone you never met before. And as I was walking by, John just said, Hey, there's an open seat. And I was like, perfect. Thank you. And then we sat down got to talking and John convinced me to go up and be one of those people that told their aha moment. And then he helped me develop. We went out for lunch and we developed the story in a way because I could tell my, I could sit here and talk for like 72 hours straight telling my story. And John's like, how do we take that 72 hours and bring it into 10 minutes? Yeah. And it's like, it was overnight because I, once I raised my hand and volunteered, there was no turning back. So I kind of used my, my ego and my stubbornness to my advantage to throw me in the fire. And then it's like, no, I'm not backing out now. So I was like, John, John, please come help me. And, and all these tools that John teaches you in the course and I, you know, I tell you, I went off there and it all just came together. And by the end, I had grown men crying, coming up and hugging me. Thank you for t- showing us your heart and telling us this story and inspiring us. And that moment changed my whole life. And now I'm building a business based on my life experience and how I can help others. And I mean, just by learning how to tell a story in in a fashion that grabs your attention, is succinct, but gets the whole story across without all the words, you know? Yeah. And that because what Aaron described is when you, when we target people's heartstrings, they open their purse strings. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
It's true. Here's a quick checklist for everyone listening. If you're doing any kind of pitch, elevator pitch, pitch in front of people, you're given 10 minutes, whatever it is, it needs to be three things. Clear, concise, and compelling. And so write those three words down as you're, is this clear? Because the confused mind always says no. If I don't understand what your movie's about, I'm not going to fund it. I'm not going to be in it. I'm not going to work on it, right? It needs to be concise. If you can't explain it where somebody else, because the goal of having a great story is that other people can remember it and tell your story to other people. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, compelling is it's touched your heartstrings in some way. This is not just an intellectual thing. I think as well when you're when you're doing stories, is it is it good to be thinking more along the lines of like you know what is the arc of, of the story, like rather than sort of trying to going to go through all the details. Like what is the sort of the journey the character goes through? Is it is it redemption? Is it finding romance? Uh, you know what Aaron was saying about um, you know his his film. It it's about it's about accepting and and finding those kind of elements when you're turning the story is, is important as well as just going from okay this is what happens a b c d e until you get to the end of it here's another big takeaway the better you describe a problem whether it's a problem you're solving or a problem your character solving the more invested mm. people are in the solution and so as the hero's journey that we all are probably familiar with it just keeps the problems keep escalating as you watch any star wars movie right you're like oh there's no way he's going to he or she's going to survive this and then if they do and then there's something worse that happens to them and so as you take people on that journey uh of your own situation then you want like let's imagine you're pitching an investor and you tell a little story of another movie you worked on mm. and then you're instead of saying i'm someone who problem solves and figure out figures out you tell a story and you show this went wrong, and then we figured out how to, you know, we had to cut the budget here to make this happen. If you're talking to a bean counter, you know, mm-hmm. if you show, if you tell stories of how you've solved problems, or, as opposed to just saying, "I'm a problem solver," which one do you think is going to be memorable? Mm. So true. Stories are everything, and it was really interesting what you said there um, earlier about how other people pass on your story. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've got a perfect example is. If someone wants to go, you, you're talking all the time with people about Netflix, what's on at the moment, what are you watching at the moment on Sky, wherever it is, and they will say a, a program. And if you haven't heard of it, you'll go, what's it about? And they will literally just answer it in, what, three mm. words sometimes? Yeah. Oh, it's a sports drama, it's end of the world. And they'll say, oh, you have to see it. They, they are your marketing tool. So yeah. imagine if we could do that in that mm. pitch. It's almost like we're putting it into the smallest amount of words yeah. because that's what the world will do with your movie later. Peanut yeah. Butter Falcon. You know what I mean? You put it into the smallest amount of words that it could possibly be. You, most people just go, oh, it's got Shia LaBeouf in it. You've got to see it. <laughs> the investors, believe it or not, have imaginations as well. And if mm. you give them a, a small piece, it allows them to engage their own imagination to see how the story might go. Instead of shoving it down their throat and go, eh, it's not quite my cup of tea. If you leave openings for possibilities, um, then you then it, it excites them and, and also i guess it leaves them room to actually pitch it to other people outside of the meeting between you and you that's really it there's a pride factor uh, let me tell you about this movie i've invested in let me tell you about this movie i've signed up to be in and they need to own the story and when they can see themselves in your story then you've really pulled them in yeah so it can't be complicated so yeah. that's it has to be something they can tell their wife mm. their, their husband to say i want to go do this movie to shoot six months in austin texas uh so are you gonna let me go well what's the movie about right you better have already practiced that and nailed it right yeah. so therefore those words have to come out that's that's so good aaron when you first uh have to start pitching um peanut butter falcon and your new ones as well the ones that you've got out at the moment or the ones that you've just finished shooting evil take fruit or beast mode did you did you the same thing there had you like pitched and pitched and were you ready and well you know what's funny i was this is kind of in line i was just going to say something about the peanut butter falcon and why this why it was unique um there's a story behind the story. So it's not, you know, a lot of people in this business, and I just know from experience, like, we'll go do a commercial to pay the bills, and then we'll come back to the passion project. It's like, just do the passion, do what you're excited about, and trust that the universe is going to align you with the, with a person who also wants to tell that story for the same reasons. Because the story behind the Peanut Butter Falcon is, if I go up to an investor today and I say, listen, there's this kid with Down syndrome 
who's been wanting to be an actor since he was three years old. He worked, he worked on his craft, this, that, and the other. And then he told his friends, Mike and Tyler one day at dinner, Hey, I want to be a famous actor. And they said, well, we think you're terrific and we think you should be a famous actor. But unfortunately, Hollywood's not really looking for people with Down syndrome. It's hard enough for anybody to become a famous actor, let alone someone with Down syndrome. So we don't want to get your hopes up. We're going to be honest with you, but we do believe you should keep trying and be that famous actor. And Zach, very matter of fact, he said, that's fine. Um, you just write me a movie and I'll be the star of it. <laughs> Fair play to it. And they bought all the screenwriting books they could find and they figured out how to write a movie for Zach. And then five years later, you guys watched that movie. And now Zach is a movie star. Zach, I just talked to the other day. He's got about 14 jobs lined up. As soon as they let him on a plane, he has his own television show that was written for him by one of the biggest TV writers in the business. He already wow. got money sitting in the back from like they prepaid him. Zach is ready to work now because he manifested the fact that I want to be a famous actor and there's nothing you could do to stop me. And it wasn't about, oh, I got to sell this idea to pay my rent. No, his heart wanted to do this for the world and he did it. It's such a legendary story. So and during that time, were you pitching? Like say, did, once it came to you, was it you now going to the investors and that pitch? How much have you changed in speaking to, to John here uh, from originally to, to now? You know, has your pitching style changed? Well, me personally, I mean, now it's, <laughs> it's now clear, concise and compelling. <laughs> oh, it makes life so much easier it's like a breath of fresh air man when you wrap your head around this concept it really does just make your life easier and it's like the butterfly effect the, yeah. the life in front of you becomes easier too and there's a path of least resistance because you're not like oh tight i gotta sell this movie you just relax into it and trust that you know you we've all heard this every no is one step closer to a yes but you can eliminate a lot of those no's by taking the pressure off of yourself and just getting clear, concise, and compelling and trust that the person in front of you is either your, your next partner or it's not. But you might learn something from that person and move on and go, you know, appreciate that time and maybe you work out a kink and move on to the next investor. But when you go out there with your heart like that, the, the investors will keep showing up. That's great. What about um, pitch decks and things like that, John, um, and Aaron as well? I suppose, what should you bring everything to the table? Obviously, it's a wordy pitch as well, but from your opinion, John, first, what do you think it is good to bring to the table with all that sort of filmmaking baggage that we have? Well, uh, the biggest mistake people make on a pitch deck is they put too many words on the slide, and it's mm. the kiss of death to read to people. Nobody, we all know how to read. Nobody needs to read to us. Like, you know, Aaron reads bedtime stories to his son, but other than that, nobody wants to be read to. And uh, that's the, so if you start going, well, 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 so just have some visuals on the slide and don't be so dependent on the pitch deck that, you know, in Hollywood, they say uh, the Oscars and stuff. They're like, Oh, that dress wore her. She didn't wear the dress. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so mean. Don't, don't have your own pitch deck where you. This <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> deck is your accessory, not your crutch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Aaron and I have worked together, as you heard. And, um, you know, I have, if anybody wants to continue to work with me, I've got this mm. um, methodology called better selling through storytelling. And I've worked with a lot of entertainment people and uh, helped them not get just their movies made, but get casting or um, get whatever it is that they need to do. And it actually helps their personal life. And um, so Aaron can give you um, the link to share with people. If anybody wants to find out more about working with me uh, on the course where you it's online. And then I work with people in a private Facebook group and you get to practice and work with me on your actual elevator pitch or any other kind of pitch you have. It sounds amazing. Mm. I think everyone will be jumping at that. Um, I'll put a link to that in the show notes when Aaron sends it as well. It's, it's just, you seem like such a charismatic, brilliant guy as well. Mm. So I can see why Aaron was like, yeah, 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 you, you can help me. <laughs> Let's, you know, I imagine you're doing this a lot. Is this how did you start john what was your journey into knowing you could help people and practice these pitches like this and get good how did you even know that this was a thing well i started off uh, selling multi-million dollar mainframe computers against ibm back in the day and i realized uh, that people were buying not based on logic but uh, ibm used to sell something with fud fear uncertainty and doubt if you buy anything that's not ibm and it breaks we're going to point the finger at that other vendor and you'll get fired for buying whatever john's selling if it's not ibm so i was like whoa there's a lot of psychology involved here and i majored in advertising 
And I loved how it motivates people. And, um, and then, as I said, I worked for an ad agency creating commercials for movies. And that's where I really honed my storytelling skills. Mm. And then uh, the last 15 years, I was selling advertising for big brands at Condé Nast, like Wired and GQ and Vanity Fair and all of that stuff. And now I um, get hired to speak as a speaker to sales teams on whoever tells the best story is the one that gets the sale these days. And, uh, and then um, NAB, the National Association of Broadcasters, asked me to speak and hired me um, to help storytellers pitch their stories. Because telling a story in a movie or a TV show is very different than telling a story to get it funded or bought. Yes. <laughs> yeah, very much so. This has been brilliant. Thank you so much, both mm. of you, for your time to, to give us this wonderful knowledge. It's kind of stuff that was always in the back of our minds, but actually to hear it and go, yes, come on, this is how you do it. Mm. It's really nice. Really nice. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolute pleasure. Yeah. Um, so where can we follow you guys then? Have you got your Twitters, John, um, that people can find you on that? Yes, uh, my Twitter is at John underscore Livesey, L-I-V as in Victor, E-S-A-Y. I'm the pitch with a P, whisperer on Instagram. And, uh, and then Aaron has a link he's going to share with you real quick. Yeah, I'm Aaron Scotty everywhere on social media. And then the link, and I'll, I'll send this to you as well, is go from invisible to irresistible.com slash Aaron, A-A-R-O-N. And uh, I'll, I'll shoot that over to you so you have it. Awesome. Amazing. Guys, this has been amazing. Thank Absolutely you. fantastic. Thanks for joining Thank us. Thank you, everybody. Just remember, you're storytellers. It doesn't stop with the paper. You're still telling to sell the script. It's easy. It's so true. I'm going to go pitch now A Star is Born, uh, The Fourth Virgin. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> starring Giles. Starring, yeah. Starring all of us. Thanks, guys. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you very much. Take Thank care. You. Thank you, guys. Thank Cheers, you. Darren. Uh, so thanks everyone so much for joining us on this week's episode. Aaron and John, they're absolute legends. Remember, you can go out there and make your indie film. You can make it happen. Uh, remember, pitches everything. It's All so important. And if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, this is your duty to send that elevator pitch back down. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> okay. And send it down like Inception where you attach the explosives to it and you rocket that pitch in uh, why not let's do that why not thank you everyone so much for listening take care we'll see you next week bye 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 <laughs>